0: This week's podcast brought to you by
1: Mr. Switzerland.
0: The first time I ever worked with
1: Rebecca Lobo, I was very nervous because she's a Hall of Famer. She's a very famous woman. And I looked down on the baseline. I was on one baseline covering one team at the women's final four. You were covering another. And she was walking back and forth on the baseline in 70 yards of fabric. She had a custom made suit that was poop brown color and it went down to her knees and it was the longest suit you've ever seen. And my only real thing that I'll go to my grave being proud of is that I have changed her wardrobe from head to toe. And all of you who see her looking beautiful on television now in dresses, you can thank Holly Rowe.
2: sinks says no pain, no gain, and we found that to be fact. Road might twist and turn a bit, but we all arrive intact. Mr. Mom and Mrs. Dad having each other's back. Day by day just to keep it sane. Who's the ball and who's the chain? It's hard to tell right here on Happiness Lane.
0: So we have a very, very special guest in basement this week. And, uh, my colleague and great friend, Holly Rowe, We came down here and Steve said to you, have you ever been in this basement before? And your response was... I said, of course I have been. We've had a dance party in this basement before. We meaning? Me and your children. <laughs> <laughs> Whenever I talk about going to work, all my kids are always, will Miss Rowe be there? Will Miss Rowe be there? You've had a dance party around midnight with my children in a Minneapolis hotel room. Yeah. Um, my kids just love fun and entertaining Miss Rowe.
1: Well we have a great time we haven't gotten you to really engage in the dance parties yet which is my great disappointment nor has
0: Steve ever really volunteered to be a part of our dance parties but I, one can hope yes i one think can hope that, that's our next thing you and i were just on a flight together flying back from the all star game um, sitting next to each other, and now we're in the same exact position. And both of us, we got to the end of our flight, said, "My neck is, my, my neck is, is killing me because we talked, of course, for the entire two hours." I and think that's a good
1: sign of good friends and colleagues that we just spent the entire weekend together, Steve. And yet, then we had a two-hour flight this morning at seven, eight a.m., and we still talked the He's entire talk. flight. And,
3: and strangely, right. only one of you smells like the airport, <laughs> and
1: that's Rebecca. <laughs> it
0: is Rebecca. And that's that's. That's my claim to fame. is I I can smell like the airport. I'm proud of that. And uh, and one of the reasons that we wanted to have you on is that you are to me. You know, you see the commercials for Dos Equis, the most interesting man in the world. You are to me the most interesting woman in the world. A combination of that and like the female Forrest Gump. You know, it seems like everything that's happened in sports, you have um, you have somehow experienced it or been a part of it. And um, the most recent one that you told us was when we were talking, oh, remember when Michael Jordan had the the game and it was in Utah, right, where he was sick and and had however many points it was. And you said.
1: Oh, I helped his athletic trainer diagnose what was wrong with him because (laughs) this is a weird story. This will be the first time I've ever said this publicly, actually. So Steve, you will appreciate this story very much. Please. Except for that it does involve diarrhea, so I apologize in <laughs> advance to the listeners. Even Only better. listen if your parents approve it. So uh, of course it's the great famous, you know, the Utah Jazz. I grew up in Salt Lake City, loved the Utah Jazz, Cara Malone, John Stockton era. And I happen to be a runner for NBC Sports. And I was on the air doing talent work for ESPN, but I would still go and be runners at events. Explain what that means. So runner is basically I'm getting people drinks and coffee and picking up the talent from the hotel and driving them to the arena. And anything that needs to be done, you're the little person that runs and goes and gets it. And I pride myself that I was maybe the best ever runner for (laughs) a long time. And I actually just saw a man recently, Fred Clow, that used to hire me frequently in Utah. And he says I was the best runner. So I'm very proud of that.
3: That puts a lot of pressure on the people who are runners for you now
1: it does because they don't do it right sometimes and it really frustrates like if I'm driving you to the stadium I would have gone and done a route beforehand to see if there's any obstacles or construction or how do I talk my way into this parking lot so if these new runners haven't done it I do get frustrated but I digress so anyway I'm a runner for the NBA finals and um, I happened to be talking at the middle of the court with Quinn Buckner who at that time was doing work for the finals And maybe the Chicago Bulls radio or something. He was there as a broadcaster. And he's like, Hey, I didn't see you yesterday. I said, Oh, I I got very ill yesterday. I was having diarrhea. And I didn't say that to him, but I just said, You know, I wasn't feeling well. And he's like, Oh, you know, that's funny because Michael Jordan's got a similar illness. And he's like, Do you mind waiting here for a second? So I stand there and this, this man who I don't know comes up to me and starts asking me very personal questions How much diarrhea? When did it start? How long did it last? And I'm like horrified that this stranger and it turned out he was the athletic trainer for the Chicago Bulls and they were trying to diagnose if Michael Jordan had the flu or had food poisoning because he had eaten like at a craft services table on his way out of, you know, I don't know if this is true. This is what they told me, but the day before he had kind of grabbed something off a table that was there and they didn't know if it was bad and it was food poisoning. And so they wanted to know so they could diagnose or treat him better. So he beats my beloved Utah Jazz on this shot. I will never forgive Byron Russell for his defense on that shot, actually. But anyway, and I feel sort of guilty inside that maybe I somehow contributed to Michael being
0: treated and being able to perform in that game. Your exact descriptions of your diarrhea. Helped Michael Jordan win the Bulls a championship. I'm concerned that they did.
3: <laughs> no wonder you've never told this story publicly. You wouldn't be able to go back to Salt Lake City. I'll
0: be, I'll be shunned forever from right. What's what's the name of the arena now in Salt Lake? I think
1: it's the Vivint. It changes every week. I don't right. know. I think it's the Vivint Vivent Smart Arena now or something like that. And see, this is one. Of it the, was the Delta Center.
0: This is one of the beauties of of you is that your description of your own diarrhea helps. Michael Jordan won a championship. But then you can seamlessly also relay a story about Bobby Knight's prostate. And this could be one of my more more favorite stories. We can tell this story, can't we?
1: Again, I've never told this story. Steve, can we talk about prostates on the podcast?
3: I I think uh, uh, doctor patient privilege only extends to the actual doctor and the actual patient.
1: Wow. I may be wrong, but if you you
3: don't want to, we certainly don't have to.
1: Okay. I I will tell it, but if I get in trouble later, I'm going to... I'll
0: completely take all of the blame.
1: Okay. Okay. This is another funny situation. So, you know, you go to the Final Four, and again, I was a runner at the Final Four for 10 years. I would get Jim Nance and Billy Packer popcorn, and whatever needs to be done, you do it just so you can be at the Final Four, which to me is still, to this day, the greatest sporting event ever, and... I had a credential and I would go to the press conferences so like the day off practice day I would go to the press conference and my one goal in life was to be brave enough to ask Bob Knight a question in a press conference while I was a runner and I did and he didn't mock me or tell me I was horrible so fast forward you know 15 years later I'm covering Bob Knight and he's now at Texas Tech and maybe the very first time I ever like had a real sit-down conversation with him I'm at practice Uh, he and Ron Franklin and I are sitting there chatting and he's saying that he had a horrible morning because he had to go to the doctor to have a, I believe you have some information on this kidney stone.
3: Yes. Yes.
1: um, Removed from a very delicate part of his body. And he was describing the size of the kidney stone and he picked up my hand and my pinky and said, you know, like the tip of your pinky, that's about the size of the kidney stone that I had, had extracted from this very delicate part of my body. And I just, you know, he's holding my hand talking about this kidney stone. And I just remember thinking, this is awkward, but I I don't know. I, I think in a way he used to test people, like, what will your reaction be to these things that I do to know if I can trust
0: you or if you're someone that I can deal with or not. So, Apparently I passed that prostate test. Well, Doris Burke and I talk about this sometimes because our first memory of you was Doris and I were in some college town and at a bad hotel, sitting at the hotel um, bar, probably having a drink after calling a a women's basketball game. And up on the TV is uh, a men's game. And I I don't, Bobby Knight, he must have been at Texas Tech, Mm -hmm. I'm guessing at the time. And you were covering the Big 12 and and Doris and I didn't really know you then. And um, halftime, they're down And all of a sudden, you're on the screen doing this interview with Bobby Knight. He did not look happy, but you did this great interview. And Doris just looked at me and said, I got to get her number and give her a call. Like, that takes some serious guts. And I remember you conveying, I don't know if it was that interview or a subsequent interview, where he did something and you took it as him kind of saying, you know, good job, welcome to the the crowd. So, now now I'd like Steve's input on this one because this is
1: awkward. So... Uh, You know, I had gotten to know him fairly well at that point, and he treated me great. Like, I will never say something bad about him because he was great with me. But um, the first time I ever interviewed him, like right in the middle of the interview, he goes, that's some typical media. And I was like, you're right. That was a bad question, and I won't ask another one. And so I changed my line of questioning, and it got better. So after the interview, he called me back into his office, and he said, you did a great job you did your research and you have a great way about you don't ever
0: change and from that point
1: on we had a very good relationship but
0: the question that he was upset about was not your question it was the first one place. that a
1: producer had given to me because he wanted us to promote his Bob Knight night school show and so it was just some questions about promoting that show and but it taught me a great lesson is don't ever ask someone else's questions
3: but also, it's not your job to please him with your questions. So your your questions don't require his approval. Um, you know. So I, I'm curious, what was the question when you were a runner that you were able, that you asked him? Because you must have you must have rehearsed uh, It was rehearsed a game that.
1: related question. It was an actual question of when this happened in the game, why or how. And I don't remember the exact situation, but I just tried to ask a real question, not a uh, talk about this or what sure. if this. You know, the ones that kill me in press conferences are the, um, well, if this hadn't happened, what would, you can't answer you're that, because right. it didn't happen. Yeah. It's
3: just oftentimes it's like you're a, a member of the SWAT team, and you're just trying to keep the person from jumping off the bridge, and so you're just talking, just keeping a conversation going, whether it's meaningful or not. You, I know when I do interviews, I find myself listening back, and I hear myself babbling, because I'm trying to keep that person As soon as there's the awkward silence, they're out of there. So your job now, of course, is to come up with questions. A game ends on a last-second shot or something. You don't know which way the game's going to end. You don't know who you're going to be talking to, I I assume. And you've got to come up with questions in an instant that, on national TV that don't sound ridiculous. So that's not an easy job.
1: And, you know, I think he also appreciated, and of course it's not my job to please him, but I do want to have a good rapport with coaches so that we can have a give-and-take that won't be awkward of course but um, I do remember a game where it, it is the one and only time in 25 years of doing this job that I saw the shoot around where they went through the scouting report and here's what we have to do and the team carried it out to the exact letter of the scouting report and Texas Tech upset Texas when they were ranked in the top five in the country and so in the press conference we go to the press conference and the media are asking Bob Knight all these other crazy questions except for about the game and I'm like We just witnessed maybe the only time in sports history that a team executed their scouting report to the letter and upset Texas. Why aren't we asking about that? So I do get frustrated
0: when, you know, we're in the media, but we can also ask very dumb questions. And and one of my favorite stories, again, as it relates to Bob Knight and you, is he showed, he kind of let you know that you were part of the the group in a way that some people might have taken offense to, but you did not at all. Well,
1: okay, so my favorite, woman card may be revoked for this, but um, we, we did an interview after a game, and again, they got a big win, and he, after the interview, he kind of smacked me on the butt, like, good job, kid, and I was so excited, like, that, Like it's just like you would do to a player, or, you know, like, get back in the game, kid, or, you know, very, very, on. Um, what's the word I'm looking for, like, non-aggressive, just very natural, it was yeah. a very natural instinct, And I was like, that is awesome. He just slapped my butt. Like, I'm one of the guys. That's amazing. And I told Doris Burke about this, who has a better feminine sensibility card about her. And she was horrified and was like, I would have slapped him. So, you know, I went back and and I've laughed with Bob Knight about it over the years. And he's like, well, I would never have slapped Doris Burke on the butt. You know, like (laughs) we've laughed about it. And, you know, it's not controversial at all in my mind. But I took it as a I'm
0: accepted or
1: I'm acceptable
0: you're because one, one I'm of part the of the guys. And yeah. yeah, and
1: I've lived my life, I guess, like that, being just one of the guys, and I like it.
0: And you have had a little bit of a unique experience. You cover Bob Knight, you know, as a, as a young person, and then, you know, as a little more seasoned reporter, and then you were a colleague of his. And, I mean, you're feeding the man french fries. or No, no he's-, he's
1: feeding me, so... I feel like I have a lot of Bob Knight stories. I, I apologize.
3: No, it's Rebecca is uh, they're, they're really, really drilling down no, into the whole No, Because they're Bob all Knight such talk.
0: good stories. So I want you to tell well, they're them.
1: They're unusual stories because he was such a huge figure in sports and people were frightened of him and scared of him and, you know, whatever. So we were driving one day through a blizzard. His flight got canceled and I offered to drive him to my destination where possibly he could get a flight. And it was a three hour drive through a snowstorm blizzard. So I had to keep my w- hands on the wheels of this car because the wind was blowing us and it was terrifying ice storm driving through Oklahoma. If you've ever been through an ice storm in Oklahoma, you know what I'm talking about. And we go through the McDonald's drive through And so I have both hands on the wheel and he feeds me the French fries and puts the straw in my mouth with the drink. Like he had this very tender, sweet, loving side to him that maybe me and his wife and a few other people in the world have gotten to see, but it was a really cool side.
3: How is that not a feature length film or Buddy's road trip movie, <laughs> right. Holly and Bob Knight driving through Oklahoma in an ice storm just uh, while, while he feeds her French fries and, and gives her the bendy straw for the drink.
1: Yeah. And guess what our topic of conversation was? We had a three hour discussion about he and John Wooden's relationship. And it was fascinating. And, I, and I'm not going to share that part of it because that was a really private conversation about what he believed was good and bad about their relationship. But I was like, people would literally pay thousands of dollars. We had a one time a great conversation about whether or not to foul at the end of a game for an hour driving in a car. I mean, I just got these precious moments of conversation with him. I had a good road trip with Pat Summit once, too, that was amazing.
0: Yeah, I mean, this is this is the beauty of the life you've led. I can't believe that you haven't written a book yet because you have so many these Forrest also, Gump-like experiences. She also
3: has a million. She's already thrown out four or five titles for that memoir. Bob Knight, Fred Me French Fries is automatically a, a <laughs> right. New York Times bestseller. Oh, you don't right. like
0: Michael Jordan. I solved Michael Jordan's diary.
1: Well, of course. I, I mean, <laughs> that's not one's ridiculous.
3: a chapter title and one's a, one's a book title.
0: <laughs> but you did have a, a, a lovely and unique relationship with Pat Summit, too. And, and, and you know, start off with. Maybe the 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 so, car ride.
1: Yeah, so the very first time I ever met her is one of my favorite stories. I was covering her um, in a regional final in Iowa. And, of course, I had looked up to her. You know, so many of us were in awe of her um, in the business and people that loved women's basketball. And this was um, the early or mid-90s, I guess. And she was already quite a legendary figure. So we get ready to do the interview, and it's the first time I get to interview Pat Summit, And she's like, could you just wait just a second? And she's, like, got that drawl she reaches in her sweatpants, you know, like her plastic sweatpants that are rustling to get out her lipstick because her mother has told her that she has a very square jaw and she should never do an interview on television without some lipstick on because her jaw will look too square. So that was my first ever interaction with Pat Summit, And I just was like, this woman is so real and open and cool. So we had a good relationship moving forward. Um, But later in her life, she had quit coaching and After she'd quit coaching, I became better friends with her and I would go visit her, especially when she'd been diagnosed with her dementia. And Tamika Catchings was playing in the WNBA championship finals and we were doing the games in Indianapolis Mm -hmm. and it was a game, game three and Indianapolis, Indiana had won. And then I drove through the night to Tennessee to do a Tennessee college football game that next day, which was Saturday. And then the next morning, Sunday morning, I drove back to Indiana to do game four of the WNBA championship and Pat drove with me. And we had a... Because she wanted to go watch She wanted Tameka to go watch of one of her great players possibly win her first and what it was, her only WNBA championship. So it was super cool because we'd stop at Starbucks in like the middle of nowhere, Tennessee or Indiana, and people would flock to her. Like, I had to, like, hustle her out of a Starbucks because she was getting autograph requests and stuff.
3: And and, and still, the barista didn't know how to spell Pat or what her name (laughs) had to ask her name, I'm sure. The one person in there who didn't know that.
1: They would always be like, Coach, what are you doing here? And she was like, "Uh, getting coffee. (laughs) That was, you know, they want to know answers. Why are you here in our small town? But anyway, so she was was cool. Like, um, I played songs all the way, and she would whistle. She didn't sing along to songs. But she would whistle. That's when the song Call Me Maybe was very popular. And she's like, <laughs> call me maybe. You know, what I'm singing. And um, I played Bad Mama Jamma for her. I was like, you're going to love this song. And she'd never heard Bad Mama Jamma before. So that but was cool.
3: You do forget sometimes that these people, especially if you've grown up admiring them, live in the same world that you do. And uh, I was interviewing Rod Carew when he required a heart transplant at his house, and he was he was uh, you know confined to the house on on a Coronado Island where he was. And his wife offered to go out and pick up Panera for us. And I only then did it click that yes, Rod Carew lives in the same world where he gets takeout from Panera. Um, <laughs> It seems you know, too normal. It, it, to, totally. So Pat Summit at Starbucks is, is the same thing, and and you know you have such a, a rapport with almost everybody you you encounter. At least that's what, how it appears on TV. And obviously a part of that is you know your empathy and your you're seeing the best in, in everybody. Um, there's another well known person who you've spent a lot of time with. Certainly much more than I have. Um, tell me what's Rebecca Lobo like? <laughs>
0: <laughs> Lovely. She's Rebecca
1: Lobo is hilarious, first of all, is I think people get, I give you a hard time about this. Is it okay if I say this? Uh, sure. So she's like, you know, the mother of four, America's sweetheart with her French braid hair winning a national championship. She's got the dirtiest mind, like she is the one that's always saying dirty I jokes. thought you were going to say children. Oh, <laughs> she's
0: no, the dirtiest children, children are not dirty. They're, not. <laughs> They're pretty Only dirty. after they've been home <laughs> right. without her for a few days.
1: Right. No, she, one, uh, I appre- we laugh our guts out together. That's what I would say I appreciate about you the most. And then I appreciate that we can have the most real conversation. Like, I think I've probably shared more with you than almost anybody in my life. She will drill me about stuff, Steve. And I'm like, I try to ask her one question. Like, she wants to know everything about everybody's love life, everything. I try to ask one question about your love life. I get shut down completely. <laughs>
3: I think she's said it all there's nothing to say
1: she she knows everything about mine it's very unbalanced but no it's it's fun
3: well I certainly know nothing either so well,
0: there, <laughs> there you go um I have never broken up with somebody who um just because they didn't know who Pat Summit was oh. that 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 tweet of yours went viral so um, that was that's since, a true story so well let's hear it
1: well I was at the SSP the year right after Pat had been diagnosed with um, her early onset Alzheimer and Peyton Manning honored her on the stage and then they did this wonderful piece about her and I was in the audience like literally sobbing like here's an icon a person you've looked up to slowly losing their mind in front of you it's the most tragic thing I feel like I've ever experienced and my father also had dementia so it was very personal to me and we get out of the SBs, and I'm seriously still like dry sobbing (laughs) I can't believe this you know I'm so upset and he's like I don't understand. She's just a coach.
0: This is the person you're dating. This is
1: the guy that I'm dating. Yeah. And we'd been dating for four years. And when I say smoking hot, he was a Mr. Switzerland at one point, Steve. Just imagine all that glory. That's... Best butt I've ever seen. <laughs> and I just realized in that moment I could never date this man anymore because he didn't understand who I was and that that woman would mean something to me. Like, you'll never get me if you don't get why I love Pat Summit. And that was the, that's literally the last weekend we ever spent together.
0: You date for four years and you break up with him because he doesn't understand your love for Pat Summit. Yeah, that's exactly what happened.
3: Mr. Switzerland.
0: Yes. Yeah, I didn't know he was a Mr. Switzerland. You didn't oh, tell us that. I have photos. I've seen the photos. Smoking just... hot. <laughs>
3: he has the army knife and the. No,
1: he wasn't like Arnold Schwarzenegger. He was a smaller guy, but a bodybuilder. He was a bodybuilder with a very beautiful body, but couldn't couldn't understand Pat Summit, so he was out. <laughs> Which may be why I'm
0: still single.
3: <laughs> there are plenty of other uh, countries in the world. That I Fish can try to find their Mr. There's Mr. Austria. Mr. I don't know. Mr. Italy. Mr. Italy. I,
1: I, there's hope. Okay, can I pick one bone with you and your husband? Yes. So... I was recently asked for the All-Star Game to write this essay about Lindsay Whalen and Cheryl Reeve. Oh, I'm so sorry about this. No, but here's what I'm annoyed about. So I sent you a copy of it because I really wanted to do a good job because I adore Lindsay Whalen. I admire Cheryl Reeve, and I want this essay to be important and well done. But I don't write all the time. And so I sent it to her to have you look over, Steve, so you could add some Minnesotan flair because you're a well-known Minnesotan. Had a very successful book that people are still raving about, Stingray Afternoons. That's out on paperback now. Bless you. Honey. Not that I stock you online or anything, <laughs> but um, I, I needed your Minnesota eye for this essay. So she never sends it to you. She which, ne-
3: never did. I would have been happy to. But of that's course, not so. what I'm
1: upset about. What I'm upset about is then you this week release a story about Lindsay Whalen, and your opening paragraph about Lindsay Whalen is the best thing I've ever read with the description of her and the Minnesota flavor, like you find these words to describe this flavor of her Minnesota life and why she's beloved there. And I'm like, I am horrible, and I shouldn't have ever been asked to write this essay because he describes in one paragraph what I was trying to describe and failed to do. Well, so- if, I, if
3: I can't describe the place I grew up in, um, and Lindsay Whalen is the sort of avatar of that place, then, then I have no business writing because that nothing has ever been more in my wheelhouse than riding across the Mississippi River beneath the Greenbelt beer sign with Minnesota's favorite daughter. Um, you know, I hate it when people say that wrote itself, because it doesn't usually write itself, but that pretty much did.
1: Well, I was so jealous of the line, Minnesota's favorite daughter. I'm like, that should have been what he added to my piece for me. So I was I had writer's envy, but I just wanted you to know that was such a beautiful piece about her. And we stopped and took a picture at the Greenbelt sign so that I could that was for your husband. Remember when I kept we're on a walk and I kept yep. saying stop and pose behind this sign that was because he had just described it so beautifully in his article. Well,
3: I told Lindsay that and I told this to her husband Ben Grieve, I said I said to them I identify with Ben because we're both married to the favorite daughter in our respective states. And I also identify with Lindsay who grew up in Minnesota, went to the University of Minnesota, but was drafted by Connecticut and uh, identify with her because she was ripped from Minnesota, and made to live in Connecticut for many years uh, while Much longing like you are. while longing to get back to Minnesota.
0: Meanwhile, I, you weren't ripped from Minnesota. You were ripped from Manhattan because that's where you lived when, when we got married, and, and that, maybe that's even worse, and then I made him come out uh, to the burbs. But we like it
3: here. And that's a Minnesota slogan. We like it here. That's what it used to say in the wall at the Metrodome. We like it here. We don't care what you guys think. We like it here. here. And the sick irony is, you know
1: what? But we like
3: it here. You both have just come from Minneapolis. The, 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 The sick irony is that I now spend all of my time in Connecticut, while Rebecca spends much of her time in Minneapolis. So she does get to sort of live there in a sense
1: and we do we take advantage and I don't want to make this jealous or make you rub this into you but we take advantage of Minnesota we go walking around the lakes like we walk around Lake Harriet we walk around the lakes every time almost every time we go we walk somewhere in Minnesota Well
3: just just let me further this point I was here last night Nuking white castles. I know I make jokes about that, but that's what the kids wanted last night. I went to the gas station and did buy two dozen white castles to, to microwave. And you bought
0: them at the gas station just to further the... Actually,
3: I bought them at the grocery store because okay. the gas station no longer carries them. Um, I don't <laughs> know what that says them. about Yes, right. But I also... But I knew that while I was eating, while the kids were eating white castles, that... I had heard Rebecca a few days earlier on the phone making reservations for 10 in a private room at one of Minneapolis's finest restaurants.
1: Bar La Grasa, which we had the best time last night.
3: In guaranteeing a minimum spend, whatever the minimum spend they required was, knowing that there would be plenty of bottles of wine and stuff to round out the bill. And I thought, hmm, this is interesting. It's it's
1: sad. (laughs) I would like to say how much I appreciate you as another woman, though, because it's hard to find men who will put up with our jobs. And that sounds sexist, but that's just true, is I work every weekend, we work all the time. You know, we have a very interesting life and it's challenging, but that she's found a partner who will help her with this life, I appreciate on her behalf. Well,
3: I I don't know if she's told you, I am also a former Mr. Switzerland.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Oh, yes. And thus, the relationship is explained. So I am a big fan of the show, speaking of Mr. Switzerland, and uh, you know, I am intrigued by your marriage, like many people, because you're probably two of the smartest intellectual people I know. But I'm fascinated by the, the crazy stories of how non-intellectual Steve can be at times. <laughs> so uh, a recent podcast, this was maybe the one where you're talking about the car key situation when you had a woman bring right. you home and then realized you had no car at yes. home. They were both at the school. for whatever She realized
3: reason. it before I did. She actually texted me. Do you want me to pick you up? I just because realized I dropped you off. that Yes.
1: Yes, yeah, so I, I am concerned somewhat about this very intellectual, brilliant man being not that intellectual and brilliant at times, but she called you a buffoon on the podcast. And so I immediately text her and say, I'm not a marriage expert, but I don't think you should call your husband a buffoon. And what did you say?
0: Um, did I say, but he is? You said,
1: but I said it with love. Oh, like, right. That would make it okay. <laughs> so how do you feel about, like your wife gives you a hard time?
3: I I I am so used to it. My children refer to me as a buffoon all the time, and um, you know I I think it's probably accurate. So he, he truth under- is a is a defense against against libel.
0: So there you go. Yeah, he 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 understands his his shortcomings you know like but I'm fascinated by them because
1: you're brilliant like you are a brilliant person I'm fascinated by the lack of brilliance in your domestic life where is that I think it it extends to I think
3: it extends to pretty much every facet of my life but um, but people don't see here. Is we were trying to figure out how to hook up the microphones we've done probably 40 of these podcasts and when we we're trying to figure out how to rig this up for a third person in basement. Holly took over and started rigging up the uh, the AV situation here. So there are very few practical skills that I have in life. I can't think of any off the top of my head. Although typing is, is the one Writing. thing that I can do. Being brilliant with words. But um,
0: well, Holly, t- when we're on the plane today and. Um, I said, oh, I said, I'm going back to reality now. Steve's told me that, um, you know, something's not working outside. I'm probably going to have to call the electrician. And, and your response was, why doesn't he just do that? Right. And I said, well, there are just certain things that, like, I, I certain people I call, certain things I take charge of. And it's so just because. So you're in charge of the pool. Well, ho- ho- well, Holly,
3: I, I, have, I have a policy. I'm not good at a lot of things, but. Electrical work is is really at the top of the list of things that I don't do DIY and I I don't recommend anybody does their own electrical work
0: But probably at some point when I take 15 minutes I'll go and I'll flip all the switches on the breakers and I'll do all that sort of thing and I'm guessing I'll get it to work but if I don't, then I'll call the electrician. Okay. Steve wouldn't even have the patience to go and but try the breakers and do that More than thing. that,
3: I don't like calling people on the phone, this Rebecca knows. I don't he like picking it. up the phone. I mean, if it's for work, I have to interview somebody, sure. But I don't like calling to order pizza. I don't like, I hate, and we may have talked about this podcast, I don't know. I hate when we've, I've got a van full of people being the driver who has to order through the box at McDonald's. Um, the drive-thru. So a man for man
1: tr- so good with words, you're reluctant to use them in certain situations. Like he
3: starts, if if we're pulling
0: up to a drive-thru, a fast food drive-thru and I'm just going to wait and th- have the kids tell me and then relay it to him he starts getting like antsy like what's the order? Like he gets a little bit freaked out and I'm like it's a, it's okay. not a big deal. Like I'll, I'll go through, we can make the person inside wait 10 seconds for our 7 year old to decide whether she wants our 4 or 6 piece nugget. Like it's not That's a big funny. deal. He hates it. doing that.
3: And, and, and my brother's his right, brother brothers is the exact same way. Same His older thing.
0: brother. It's interesting because I've talked to some of my sisters in law, and Steve's brothers. A couple of them are the exact same way. They they Wonder hate getting on the phone. What happened in your childhood? They, like what?
1: No, you know, our do. childhood. We used to prank call people, and so I got very good on the phone and talking on the <laughs> phone because we would do elaborate prank phone calls to people. Did we, you not do we, that? No,
3: we actually did, and I didn't mind. Participating in those, we used to call a colleague of mine now, Patrick Roycey of the Star Tribune, who had a had a um, radio show on on KSTP radio, and we would call my brother Tom and his friend Rye, uh, would call into the radio show, the call-in radio show, and when they would say, you know, Frank in Saint Paul, we would make up our a hometown and a name, uh, Tom or or Rye would say, you're a weed, and hang up, and. <laughs> And oftentimes that what wouldn't make that? it on the air with the delay, but then we, we we would record. We would record the call on the radio. And at one point, Royce said, "Some guy keeps calling in and saying you're a weed, whatever that's supposed to mean." And that was like a thrill. I mean, we were our influence was now on the radio, so we didn't have any problem if it if it was total mayhem. But if it was to if it's like now, to, yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and I do remember once somebody called our house, and I answered the phone. So like, a kid or when now I was as a kid, I was okay. probably 13 or something, and my parents weren't home, and it was somebody selling encyclopedias over the phone, or it was, a, it was a, a series of like classic books, and it gave me the pitch, and um, and I said I was just felt pressure to say yes. I didn't, didn't want to say no to this person, so I said yes. We'll we'll you know be billed twenty dollars a month for the next three years or whatever it was to get these leather bound classic books sent to our house, and um, and I hung up. And uh, my mother came home, and I mentioned to her that this I bought this series of encyclopedias. I was just sitting there watching TV, and the next thing I know, I bought a set of a set of classic books. And my mom went nuts and said, "What are you doing?" And tell the guy no. They actually did call back later to ask somebody. I don't know if it was my mom or me. I can't remember if I was over 18, and, and said, "No, you got to cancel that order." And they did cancel the order. So wow. that may be the roots of my uh, the tele- panic telephobia. The panic yeah. Ensued.
1: It's funny because I, again, this may say why I'm single, but I actually did break up with another boyfriend after, you know, I don't know why we assume men should be good at things around the house. Maybe that's sexist in our society, but we were at my house and I had a big home at the time and um, I needed to put an extender on the rain gutter. And so you go to, you know, you go to Home Depot or somewhere and there's these things that you can climb up, put a ladder up. You just put an extender on and then you seal it so that your rain gutter will go out further away from your foundation so it doesn't leak.
3: We actually need that right now. I'm not well, kidding you. Well, but I we could do, install one
1: it. for you because I'm very handy.
3: Mike Golic changed our filters. Holly Rowe will extend our rain gutter while I she's can. here. I can.
1: I could absolutely do it right now. Another title but for her this, memoir,
0: I can extend your rain gutter. Sure.
1: But this guy couldn't do it. And it turned me off so bad that he couldn't do a simple task around the house. I broke up with him as well. So I just feel like guys have, is that bad for us to assume guys have to be handy around the house?
3: No, it's, 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 you would think, you would think that they should be. So, so, so all your guy has to be, he has to be Mr. Switzerland.
0: He has to be a fan of Pet Summit and be handy around the house. That's huh? it. That That's your... That's and your
1: intellectually stimulating. And I have found that combination impossible to find. That's
0: your oh. dating profile on um, utahsingles.com. True story. Yeah. I
3: did go to Lowe's a couple of weeks ago, bought a bunch of light bulbs, and I came back and I replaced... I checked out all the lights in our house and replaced 14 bulbs. So I'm not completely useless You've around the You've
1: never been sexier to me than you are right <laughs> there now. There you go.
3: <laughs> How many me's does it take to change a light bulb? One. One. I, I changed 14 of them the other day. See,
1: now that's good. I like that, that you can get stuff done around the house.
3: No, no, no.
0: Let's You re-
1: give him a compliment. You know, that, that's that's, what I that's want.
0: fantastic. That's wonderful. Thank you for doing that. How do you have 14 bulbs out? For, like shouldn't you know once one goes out that it's time to it's change It's a large it? home. It's a large home. I, 14. It's okay.
1: Well, I, because he did. I
3: I'll tell you why because nice the kids job, have sweetheart. like uh, four light bulbs above the mirror in the bathroom and they leave the light on all night. Yeah. They go to the bathroom and then they leave the light on or they leave the light on but when they go to bed as a night light by closing the door. So those four are always burning out you would know this if you were if I was home. home frequently <laughs> right
0: right thank you honey good job thank you honey good job <laughs> steve thinks i travel a lot and i do travel a fair amount but um no one travels more than you and delta appreciates you for that what was you've sent me texts where you've been in a car getting a massage as yeah. you've gone gate to gate.
1: That's a real story. So sometimes if you, you're you high enough up in Delta and I'm like a two million miler, probably the highest of the high diamonds. Like I became a diamond for 2019 in February already. <sighs> Took you
0: two months. Right, to get two months.
1: So I do travel a lot, but I got off the flight and I had a little bit of a tight connection at a big airport in Atlanta. And there was a man that had a sign, Holly Rowe. And at first I thought I was in trouble, but he just ushered me right down the stairs off the jet bridge into a porsche carrera with a massaging warm seat so the seat massaged me on my way to my gate i was almost hoping he could take another lap around the airport that's happened to me like three or four times where i get the ride in the porsche carrera with delta so that's the only time i'm treated well in travel but
0: you know, tra- travel's really the only downside of our job, I would say. And you're all over the place in the football season, college basketball, mostly Big 12 um, cities still. I guess it's mostly SEC now when you do football? It's all over. What are it's all you over know, the place. What are your, some of your favorite places to travel to because you like the city? What are some some of your favorite places to go just because it's a great place to call the game?
1: Well, it, so Penn State is one of my secret favorites because it's 110,000 people that stadium at night when they do the whiteout where there's 110,000 people all in white. Like coordinate. Anytime you can get people to coordinate anything is impressive to me. So I like Penn State. I like college towns. Like I love Auburn. They have this cute little street that's a college town in Auburn. Tuscaloosa has a cute little college street. Um, LSU is fun. I love Kansas. I do a ton of basketball games in Kansas. And Lawrence, Kansas has the cutest little... Main Street, Massachusetts Street, that I love. I have my favorite bookstore. I have my favorite coffee shop. You know, and every time I go there, I visit the same bookstore because they import um, British mysteries, which is this is
0: another weird thing. But I love British mysteries. I've collected every Agatha
3: Christie. I was book. just going to say and, yes.
0: And you secretly have a crush on. This has always been the most bizarre. And you've seen her on Broadway. Oh, I
1: I have a secret
0: not so woman secret crush, yeah. and
1: yeah. I love Angela Lansbury. Like who, I,
3: who doesn't? <laughs>
1: Who doesn't?
3: She was the teapot in Beauty and the Beast, wasn't she?
1: Yes, she was. But she also was um, Jessica Fletcher
3: on Murder, murder She, she Wrote, Wrote.
1: That I probably watch an episode of Murder, She Wrote almost every day. What
3: is something, Cove? What, where was that set? Cabot Cove. Cabot Cove. Where, so, where there was a, a Grizzly murder every week, right, in the small town? There,
1: it was a high, high crime rate in Cabot Cove. <laughs> but it's so was she doing a
3: good job or was she really kind of doing a poor job?
1: Well, it wasn't her job to police. It was her job to solve after the fact, which she did at a high rate. But so anytime she's in a new Broadway play, I've gone. I go. Like, I'm probably her biggest fan. And I've, I've Googled and I've tried to find how to get in contact with her agent because she's now in her 90s. And I've got to meet her one day before she's gone. And I don't know how to meet her. So if anyone out there... That is literally my bucket list before I die or she does to meet Angela Lansbury.
3: Well, we have to make this happen now. I, not not that we have I connections don't have to the Angela context. Lansbury. No, yeah.
0: But somebody listening I has love the contacts to make this happen.
1: She's a wonderful actress. Everything I've ever seen her in, she's incredible. I just am so attached to her.
3: This is like the you know athletes want to be rock stars, rock stars want to be athletes. So Holly's met everybody in sports three times, and uh, but she her her ideal is to meet Angela Lansbury. Rebecca's mm-hmm. met everybody in sports and half the people in show business, but has has become so tired and and jaded now. We've talked about this that if Bruce Springsteen her. For, uh, she'd, go you go know, she'd go to bed. So that's been there, blown
0: out of proportion a little bit. It, who, it's it's
3: just wonderful to hear enthusiasm for somebody who still wants to meet somebody, even though she's met so many. But people. along
0: these lines, who have you met that knew who you were, and you were taken aback by it, that you were surprised that this person knows who you, who I am, or you were so excited? Oh, the they Rock! Did. So the okay. Rock, he Dwayne twe- Johnson. Yeah,
1: Dwayne Johnson. I met him at the SB's one year, and I took a picture, and I tweeted, and I was like. Nightmade, I met The Rock and he tweeted back at me like nice to meet you sorry for the duck lips or something I was like <laughs> wait The Rock knows who I am or um, this this might be my favorite so I was at a Ohio State bat- uh, football game one year this was just like three years ago and LeBron James is on the sideline and I've done a few of his games but you know I would never expect him to remember me or anything and I walked over to him and he's like hey Holly baby and I was like what <laughs> not only does he remember my name he's saying it in some sort of a fond fashion so but you he- she dropped one on me last night. So the other obsession I have is um, the Spice Girls. And I would love to meet the Spice Girls. My nickname, you know, my name on Twitter is Sport Siren. And that comes because Sporty Spice was taken. It's literally from the Spice Girls. Oh, wow. And, you know, I'm a 52-year-old woman with a Spice Girls email address as well. Um, What and did you drop on me last night? Well, we were
0: talking about this at the dinner in Minnesota where Steve was having White Castles. And we were having um, lobster, lobster and egg bruschetta. bruschetta. But... uh I said, oh, I I met the Spice Girls once. And Holly just looked at me with big eyes. I didn't know this. It was 95, 96. It was when we were training for the Olympics. And we were in Chicago. The national team was in Chicago. And the Spice Girls were there. And I, I don't know if we were at a hard rock cafe. We were at an event somewhere. And the basketball players, we were inside. And the Spice Girls pulled up. On their double decker British bus, it was what the, you know their thing for that tour. They may have sung a song. But they were, they
3: poured off the bus doing, if you want to be my love, right? Yeah, it, 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 it I'll may. Tell it, you it, what I it, want, it, when I'm yeah.
0: yeah, And uh, and there were you know hundreds, if not a couple thousand girls, which was you know their demographic outside screaming. And anyway, they came in and we briefly met them. And um, I don't remember what the rest of the appearance was. If we did autograph signings, I don't remember exactly what it was. But I wasn't at the time. i am i am a I'm a twenty-something year old, as twenty-one or twenty-two. I didn't have, you know, kids who would have been totally obsessed by the Spice Girls, or I didn't know you. It, or then I would have been very much more aware of the Spice Girls. But see, so,
1: when I tell you, this woman and I have talked about everything there's not a bodily function that's ever happened to either one of us that we haven't discussed (laughs) a love life, a dramatic problem with a friend. Like we talk about everything Everything. and I'm just now finding this out
0: 12 years into our relationship. Two months ago, I'm, I was just finding out about you and Michael Jordan and, and your role in, in that championship. So there's always fascinating things that come up and and we spend a ton of time together when, and it's one of the reasons I love calling, uh, games at the final four women's college basketball games or doing things in the WNBA because we get up on game day. We, normally we go to, to practices, shoot arounds at around 10 we in the usually morning. go.
1: At, like you're really good. You help me exercise. Get so me out
0: walking. We get up in the morning. We go, we always go for a walk and, and talking and then we have breakfast together and then usually lunch. It's just, um, So it's a surprise after all these years of doing that that some of these stories haven't come up.
3: It's the first I'm hearing of this, of of you meeting the Spice Girls. And and the beauty of sitting around watching TV with Rebecca, which I do once or twice a year, is (laughs) you'll just see she'll see something and she'll casually mention, "Oh yeah, you know that time I met George Clooney." Who and I think George Clooney is is an actual example. Yes. And I'll say, why am I hearing about this 15 years? into our marriage well but, I can
1: see why she hid that from you because you
0: may feel intimidated by
1: no, that not maybe, at all
3: I'd, I'd like to see him fix the electrical outside or yeah. attach a
0: gutter one of one of my favorites when Steve and I first started dating would we would have a couple of these moments where uh, you know uh, Barry Bonds would come on TV and I'd be like oh he's such a good guy such a nice guy and Steve would say are you joking? Like No, well, first this of all. Is, this well, is my experience with Barry Bonds. And I said, oh, one time he came to a Liberty game, and he said hello, so nice. and he was so nice to me. No, and,
3: I was at a Liberty game. Oh, right. I was at a Liberty game dating Rebecca. I don't believe we were, were we engaged. I can't remember. No, we weren't engaged yet. And and Barry Bonds was courtside. It was on a Sunday afternoon, and and they were playing on Sunday Night Baseball, the Giants at the Mets that night. And at the final horn This is
0: before the game because I wasn't I was injured, so I was in like street clothes and so this is before the game. Before the
3: game, but you remember what I'm talking about, right? Yeah, I do. He walked across the court and and gave you a big hug and walked back to his seat and I said to you, you after know, the game I said I didn't realize he gave hug and he kissed me on the cheek and he like said hello and he walked away and it I was lo- a warm welcome I, yeah I
0: look up at Steve and Steve got, has his hand like vigorously wiping his as cheek a joke, like, as, as a, a joke, joke right, like, wipe like, that Barry Bonds
1: kiss no, on your no, cheek no. your experience with him had been very different well I just
3: said I didn't know you knew Barry Bonds and Rebecca said I, I don't I that said I met him I once at okay. baggage claim oh okay you did
0: but yeah Steve had had and that would happen frequently like an athlete especially with an athlete and I'll say oh that guy is such a good guy. He, he was really nice to me and Steve would say he kept me waiting for two days in a dugout as I'm trying to do a feature on it. He's different. a complete but, jerk. Like we had very different experiences. But with there's this also that thing when
3: person. you're in New York the um, where if two people if two you know public figures see each other they've never met they still have to sort of greet each other with a, like an embrace yeah, yeah in a fond fashion as as you yeah. described LeBron and yourself. Yeah. So we walked down the street literally walking up Broadway and Rebecca as we're passing a sidewalk cafe, and there's Paul Schaefer sitting by himself, eating breakfast, and the two nod at each other in the sort of celebrity but Sim Saladin. on the
0: David Letterman show, had you I not? hadn't met him. I'd been on the oh. show, but I hadn't met um, hadn't met Paul when I was on it. So, But you oh. still, you know, you give like a the nod of recognition. You know the nod of recognition. Yeah. You just, I never get, no, I don't know it. But you just I would did never it. think I'm you a celebrity. You, you or know a it's a, a tilt back oh, instead yeah, of a like tilt like, down. So you, it's similar got to like a bro nod. Yeah. Yeah.
3: Holly, we're at Target sometime this winter, and we're checking out, and Rebecca looks at the the magazine rack. Did we tell this on the podcast already? Rebecca looks at the magazine rack and says, I met that guy or that lady two days ago in Waco. She'd just come back from a college basketball game. And they were the Bachelorette or The Bachelor or something, yes. right? Oh, Remember Rachel Lindsay.
1: Yeah. Yes. yeah, that's right. We did meet her. We, yeah. uh, but
0: no, there was an no, no, Adelaide game.
1: It was a Dallas game. Wings okay. game last summer. And, she and her fiance and were
0: courtside. Like, They're big basketball fans. Yeah, I didn't watch. It was The Bachelorette. Yeah. I didn't watch The bat. Or was it The Bachelor? It doesn't really matter. I didn't watch the show, so, but they were nice. It was nice to meet them. But yeah. it was right after they had, had the
3: season finale, right? I don't or don't however watch that it shows.
1: works.
0: I don't know either. But yes, I so they were on the cover of People magazine
1: or whatever. Yeah,
3: oh, I just met them yesterday.
1: How random. So I do have one funny. I, it's just brought this to my memory. Of, I, I have a funny admission to make, and this is not going to make Steve very happy. But so I've read your. I've read your column. You know, like I've had a Sports Illustrated subscription since I think I was 12 years old. So I'd go answer the phones at my dad's law office all summer, and I would sit at his desk and read Sports Illustrated front to back, letters to the everything. So I'm a huge Sports Illustrated person. So I read this article about the day I could get married to Rebecca Lobo that you had right. written. And I thought, because you are a very sarcastic writer and you have a certain tone to some of your writing, I thought it was a joke. And so I was like, oh my gosh, that's so cute. This poor guy is like fangirling over Rebecca Lobo and that is so sweet that he's so into her, that is adorable. And So I thought that was a sarcastic article. So fast forward about, I think it was four years later, I met you for the first time because you had two kids in a stroller. I'll never forget, I came down an escalator in Cleveland And I was with Doris Burke, who you knew very well. Mm -hmm. And Doris is like, hey, Rebecca. And you're with your two children and Steve. And that's the first time I'd actually met you. Like, I had covered one of your games for the Liberty, but we didn't know each other. And there you were with Steve Russian from Sports (laughs) Illustrated. And I was like, holy (laughs) hell that was a real article and it blew my mind i thought that
0: was a joke all those years it,
3: it is it's all performance art we went through with the wedding and the 15 years of marriage and the four kids just to sell it
0: well the best part was it was right before our wedding and we got married in april and so it came out around april 1st and so many people I thought i think that's it was why i april thought it was an fool's april fools N-
3: nobody thought that it, that
0: that um, it could be possible yeah. that the well, joke of like
3: course a, was that why would Rebecca marry? Him? Well,
0: that's when when Steve, when we first, we don't even think we were dating. We might have just been friends. And uh, Steve was telling his youngest brother something about he was going to come to a, a Minnesota game because the Liberty were playing or something, talking about me. And what was John's response?
3: Yeah, he said, "So what are you, what are you dating Rebecca Lobo now?" And uh, I said, "We weren't yet." I don't no, think. we weren't. Yeah. But I was at a, I was covering a boxing match, a Mike Tyson fight in Memphis, and uh, somebody was telling me about. Somebody was talking about tall women. I was standing on a baseball field at the Memphis Redbirds in some event leading up to the fight. And and I said that my fiance, I don't remember what year this was, was six four, And this person, a woman uh, reporter, turned to me and said, as a joke, who are you dating, Rebecca Lobo? <laughs> and I said, why, well, yes, I am. <laughs>
1: Well, I, so I tease Rebecca and and you can bleep this out if you need to, but I always say you're Rebecca effing Lobo because I can't even tell you the weird places we've been where people, so we were out on a walk one morning getting exercise in Los Angeles and this car screeches to a halt and these guys yell out the window, yo, Rebecca Lobo. And I'm like, we're in a town where there's a lot of famous people and the car is screeching to a halt for Rebecca Lobo or my favorite is we were in a Walgreens in Minnesota and this guy comes and he's like Rebecca Rebecca Lobo and you're like yes yes I am I'm Rebecca he goes I might be homeless but I would recognize you anywhere that was the that was the line I might be homeless but I know you're Rebecca Lobo yeah
0: people in Minnesota have definitely adopted me and uh, today we're flying back from Minnesota the airport because the the security on one whole side of the airport that you know to get through was was down so the lines stretched farther than i've it ever was seen the them worst go i've ever seen so i go up a, i have what's called clear so you can go up and it's the only short line in the airport so i get up to the front and the guy's there and he's and, and he says hello and then um he said rebecca and i said yes and so he starts you weren't with me he starts saying loudly, to, I mean, and there are people snaked in lines. Like, there's people all around us. He starts saying loudly, do you know who this is? Do you know who this is? And I'm horrified because it's like as if I gave him 20 bucks to start, you know, asking say people how this. You are. And um, anyway, it was it was really embarrassing. But um, the guy in the Walgreens was in Minnesota. The, the Minnesota has clearly adopted me since I'm I Steve's wife. Not, as but we could be
1: anywhere. New York City, she's walking down the street and people so... You're not not married whole lot, like, to quite a famous woman. Well,
0: if you see a 6'4 woman walk by, you're going to look twice, no matter what. And so if anyone has ever, you know, watched women's but basketball. But they know you. I mean, the, I think uh, you're a very recognizable figure. It's, uh,
3: Meanwhile, I go places and say, do you know who I am? No, really, do you know who I yeah. am? I'm, I'm disoriented. <laughs> I need to find my way home. So.
0: <laughs> What's my name? So, Holly, you are so gracious to come on our podcast today. What, uh, what things do you have upcoming? We, I listened to your seven, in, 7 Innings podcast, which is terrific about softball. But what else is on your calendar? We have a
1: wonderful special coming up this next week about the 150-year anniversary of college football. We start the WNBA playoffs. We have a big game, Minnesota, at the L.A. Sparks on August 2nd. On August 3rd, I will be at the Seattle WNBA game. August 6th, I'll be getting chemo. And then we will start the WNBA playoffs uh, pretty soon in college football, Miami, LSU. So... Pretty much just turn on your TV at any point and you'll see me this year
0: I just love how you just throw in as one of those things I'll be getting chemo this is one of the things about you you are the the just such a positive energy person I will never forget we we're in Minnesota together and we're at a shootaround of a Minnesota Lynx game and you say um, I'm having a bit of a bummer of a day this is I'm having a bit of a bummer of a day because when I got out of the shower this morning all my hair started falling out and only you would describe that as having a bit of a bummer of a day.
1: Yeah, that was the last event I worked with my hair because it kept falling out in handfuls after that and I ended up having to shave my head because it was so stressful because you'd wash your hair in the shower and anything you were washing would just come out in your hands. So my mom was finally like, let's just go shave your head. This is too stressful to watch you go through this every day. So
0: So if anyone else thinks they're having a a bad day, just think of Holly Rowe. That was a bit of a bummer (laughs) of a day.
3: (laughs) August 6th, I have chemo. August 7th, I'll be at the Chuckle Hut in Schenectady. I I love this. Uh, It's put in as a a plug in a series of plugs. (laughs) exactly.
0: Thanks, Holly. I'll see you Wednesday at the airport as we're getting ready to fly to L.A. Perfect.
3: Thank you, Holly. Thank you for taking care of Rebecca on the road. Let me know how it goes. I won't see either of you for some days now while you travel. And uh, it's been wonderful to have you in basement and, more importantly, in-house. Bearing gifts for our children, having the dance offs with them. We love it. Thank you.
0: And our kids absolutely love Miss Rowe. So, on that note, Tom, Dick, and Harry, play us out.
2: Sing says no pain, no gain, and we found that to be fact. Road might twist and turn a bit, but we all arrive intact. Mr. and Mom and Mrs. Dad, having each other's back. Day by day, just to keep it sane, who's the ball and who's the chain? It's hard to tell right here on Happiness Lane. Six of us and a family pet live in its cuckoo nest. Daily grind puts your sanity to a daily test Androgynous and figgy what well we give for a little rest Stay by day just to keep it sane Who's the ball and who's the chain? It's hard to tell right here on Happiness Lane It's hard to tell right here on Happiness Lane Hard to tell right here on Happiness Day.